The Pokes Report podcast is sponsored by Stillwater Barber Company, located at 609 South Main Street, right here in Stillwater. Randall and Joe are serving up the best haircuts in town, which includes regular haircuts and skin and razor fades, as well as shaves and beard care and trims. The beard care includes a wonderful blend of beard balm, beard oil, and just a little bit of steam to bring it all together. And as always, shampoo and conditioners are two for $20, and I can vouch for the shampoo because that's what I've been using for the past several months. It's a wonderful tea tree oil shampoo paraben and sulfate free that leaves your hair and scalp squeaky clean and smelling great and as always you can find blue roaming around the shop so give them a call at 405-269-8590 or you can check them out at stillwaterbarber.co to book an appointment today Welcome into the Pokes Report Podcast. Zach Lancaster here alongside Brian Murphy. Oklahoma State, 5-0 on the season, 2-0 Big 12 play. Top 10 in the country. TCU, 5-0 on the season, 2-0 Big 12 play. Top 15 in the country. So one could say it's a pretty big matchup coming up this season. This seems a lot like that that Spider-Man meme where they're pointing at each other. That's right. You've got two teams that are both scoring 46.4 points per game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got, uh, yeah, both 5-0. and oh, You know, Tom Dorado's thing of did you get it done or did you not? And both both teams have got it done five out of five times. Yeah, when you look at it, um, obviously rushing for TCU, and we'll, we'll dive more into kind of the nuances of it all, but, mm-hmm. you know, just looking at, the, looking at the comparison, you know, Oklahoma State, 470 yards, TCU, 530. Uh, you look at rushing, OSU 158, TCU 230. And I think that, now obviously passing is is going to be big. You know, Max Duggan is, has figured it out. You know, he's seemingly, now he, it's less than Oklahoma State. You look at OSU, they're 310. You look at Duggan, he's 299, or TCU is 299 on, this, on the, the per game. But Duggan's figured it out, and he's got some pretty good, he's got some pretty good receivers and when you look at speed on the outside, just the past two games, just Baylor and TCU, that's obviously given the secondary a lot of fits. And when you look at TCU, they got some pretty good receivers. They're pretty fast. But I think I'm still going to stick with we don't truly know what the Big 12 is, and I don't think we will for at least another week to two weeks because that's when the quote-unquote top of the Big 12 will kind of have all faced each Play other. each other, huh Yeah, so like – I still think Kansas is is a very good football team. Are they as good as they have been so far? I, they're fixing to get into the meat of the Big Twelve. We'll and figure it without out without their quarterback for the rest of the season. Maybe, maybe now. Did you not? Did you not no, hear? Oh, I didn't. Y- see yes, I mean he's out what, so, this week, right? I don't know. He might play. So, so the guy that t- sent out that tweet, okay. um, he in in his Twitter bio had a couple of actual, or at least one, I think it was the Lawrence paper, was in his Twitter bio. He sends out that Jalen Daniels is going to be out for the rest of the year, grade three, shoulder separation. Well, maybe an hour or so later, Jalen Daniels quote tweets and says, that's news to me. And then shortly after that, uh, Lance Leipold sends out a tweet that says, look who just showed up in my office. And it was a picture of Daniels with his arms above his head. And later that night, that guy deleted any organization okay. out of his Twitter bio. And there's a website that covers KU that sent uh, the, I think the publisher or the owner of that sent out a tweet 
that says this guy has done some freelance for us in the past, but he is not affiliated with us. Yeah. Now that guy's tweet is still up. I think I haven't checked it this morning, but yeah. it was still up as of yesterday, but no one knows if if Jalen Daniels is injured, if he's going to be out, if he's not injured. So we don't know, well, but, I hope that's, for them, but that's the controversy. I hope for them that he does play. Agreed. That he, that that Cinderella story continues. Um, and that I hope they play lights out this week. So let's say two scenarios. Let's say he plays. Are they nine point underdogs if he plays? Probably. I still am under the like. There's no way OU is this bad. And see, that's what I think about KU. And this though. is the last two compliments I'm going to give OU. I don't think they're as bad as as they have been. And those new helmets that they are going to wear this week. Those are just slick. Are fire, man. Those are slick. Those are good. But see, that's I don't. It. I'm, I'm with you. Like, I don't know if KU is that bad, but I don't know, or excuse me, I don't know if OU is that bad, but I don't know if KU is that, is that good. good. right? Yeah, so this this very well could be a 14-13 game. Is it in Norman? Yeah. Yeah, if if you gunned to my head and took me to Vegas and put me in front of the put me in front of the machine and said, which one are you picking? I mean, I'm taking OU. Because then it, the, the exact same thing, and that's where I'm, that's where I'm still, I don't know if the Big 12 is as good, because I don't know if, I, I don't know if OU is that bad, but I don't know if Texas is that good. To, to put up yep. 49 points and hold OU to nothing. So well, it's such a strange thing, especially now that Vegas just automatically assumes that Texas is going to win the Big 12 because they beat OU. Yeah, it's not, it's not a Big 12 champion caliber OU. It's still OU, but I don't know if they're as good. Now, Quinn Ewers is really good. I, I think that Texas offense is pretty salty. But I don't know if they're that good. Yep. So, it's so it's so strange. That's why I, you give me another two... I guess till November. Give me till November, and then I think we'll we'll pretty much know what the Big Twelve is. The biggest shocker from OU Texas was the fact that OU. You're telling me that the University of Oklahoma doesn't have a backup quarterback. Sure, that they trust to throw the ball. I sure. mean, you know, uh, do you say is it Bevel? Is that how you say his last name? I, I don't think know. I don't I think. think it's Beville. So Bevel. That they're running wildcat down the field, and then it's even strange. having their wildcat guy throw it, and it was there. There was nothing normal about what you saw OU do based on anything we've seen from OU in the last thirty years, twenty years yeah. since. Golly, Stoops! I what, mean, well, you know. what they say it was. Um, I think that was like the first time, and I don't know it. I'm I'm not caught up on my OU or Texas history, but it was. I think like the first. It was the first time since '98. I think that OU had been shut out, and that was A and M in in. Uh, Aggieville, where the hell they have college station, and then I think it was like the first time since like the late '60s or something that Texas had shut out to, uh, OU. Yeah. I think those are the numbers. I could be wrong, but um, well, and to your point about you know how good is everybody and and all that, even if you just let's just take it to the TCU game. Sure, their opponents this year have not been world beaters. We got at Colorado. Colorado's, I think, number one on ESPN's bottom twenty-five. Mm-hmm. They've been and they've been top five for a while. Not uh, there aren't many fran- there aren't many organizations that are firing their head coaches before the halfway point. Now it happens, but where it happens is yeah. drastic situations, and that's what's happened at Colorado. So and, yeah, and then Tarleton State at SMU was that one was tough, and and I've got some family that's very close in on the SMU side. SMU couldn't have cared less about the two games before TCU. Yeah. TCU was their Super Bowl uh, because yeah. Sonny Dykes left SMU to and go to they TCU. Have lose a couple other coaches to follow Sonny Dykes. Yes, they yeah. did. Yes, yeah. they did. And and a about half of a recruiting class. It was very dirty. Mm. Very. I'm going to say it. It was very dirty. What happened? Uh, how it went down? Um, 
And so that was, you know, that was SMU Super Bowl. They gave it all they got. So Duggan did look great against them, and, and Duggan looked great against uh, OU. I did not watch the TCU. I don't think in the history of the Big 12 I have watched a TCU versus Kansas game. I can't say I ever have. Mm-mm. Probably haven't even checked out highlights from a lot of them. I did see the highlights from this one. But uh, so, you know, whenever you show that TCU has, okay, we're doing the mirror image thing. Yeah. TCU, yeah, they have better stats right now. They have played nobody. See, and that's and that's where I go back. Baylor's going to be a good team. But other than the BYU game, which BYU turned around and got obliterated by Oregon, Baylor hadn't really played anybody. You look at Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State hadn't really played anybody. And that's, oh, this offense is good. You know, the offensive line, at least right now for Oklahoma State, is better than they were last year. I think Preston Wilson is really good at center. I think he's surprised a lot of people. At Needs least to be healthy. At least outside. Well, the good th- I will say the good thing about that is um, almost all the offensive line left the game Saturday wearing boots. However. Well, they're Cowboys. Uh, walking boots. Oh, okay. And not sorry. these boots are made for walking. <laughs> medical walking boots. Um, and that's where we went off the rails. But most of the guys that wore boots after the game finished the game. Preston Wilson walking around after the game. Mike said he was, you know, he, I, I don't know for sure. I would imagine that he plays on Saturday. But if he doesn't, you look at what Mahalski did. He was pretty solid. He was, he was decent. You know, there were some higher passes, but that's where Spencer comes in. I think this offense is is pretty damn good. I think if Jaden Bray gets that step back, I think that's another weapon to the offense. You look at Bryson Green has really figured it out. Uh, Braden Johnson, that was such a weird scenario. Um, head injury on Saturday. No one really knows how it happened or when it happened. At least they didn't. I would imagine they've gone back and watched tape since then. Um, but he stayed on the sidelines. He was dressed. He was suited up. He was just fine. So I would, but you look at how explosive he's been. He's really stepped it up throughout the year. You look at John Paul Richardson, Brennan Presley, uh, the running, the, the emergence of Stephon Johnson. Uh, Stephon, I think Stephon's going to be really, really good. Yeah. Um, but he's, but what he's given us now is solidarity out there. Absolutely, absolutely. And you look at the running game. Is it great? No, but Dom is starting to figure it out now. What's going to be interesting is what he told us on Tuesday is that he no longer holds a grudge against TCU. Now it's still a it's still a big game, but he said he no longer holds a grudge. So, but he said he does love playing on natural grass. So I think that's he says he he can get more traction, he can be more explosive, and he's really strong. And this this is this team's first time on natural grass this year. Yes, they played four games at yeah. home at Baylor, which yeah. is a turf. So uh, I'm guessing a lot of practice outside at the Sherman Smith over here. But then you on the look, natural grass, I would imagine. Yeah. But then you look at you look at the defense. The defensive line very good. Mason Cobb has been very good to start the year. Xavier Benson is figuring it out as he goes, but that's Juco. The secondary... Trace Ford has been everything we've wanted him to be, and some. I didn't anticipate him being as good as he is as early as he has been. Uh, that's, That's incredible. You could actually watch him get the confidence to explode off the line. And we did this, uh, I think Trace Ford had another... Uh, where he he met the quarterback and the running back in the backfield as they're All, handing it off, almost, and somebody somebody else did it almost quicker. Yeah, than he did in Waco. I think Colin Oliver. Uh, I think it was Colin Oliver also had one. So. Uh, hopefully, other teams are well. Hopefully, they're not. But at a certain point, do you go, hey, let's stop running the guard trap. Let's stop 
Yeah, because that kid faster than we can get over that there. That kid was struggling. <laughs> he was struggling to get over there. That guard was. Yeah, he was. Um, but as good as this offense has been at times, they haven't been great every single moment. I I don't know, and this this is kind of bla- I don't know if it's blasphemy or if this is I'm just trying to be real about it. I don't know if Oklahoma State is as good. You know, I'm not saying that Heather Denage was right when she. You know, I don't think Oklahoma State's top ten team. I think Oklahoma State's top 10 team because of how they played this year, where they were ranked, who they've beaten, who those teams have beaten. You know, So they are ranked where they're supposed to be. I don't think they should have dropped a spot in the AP. But when you, this is going to be a big test. This You could argue that this is the first real test Oklahoma State has had. I know that Baylor you know, was a really good test, but this this is going to be a big time test. When you look at the you look at how explosive Max Duggan has been, you look at their receivers, their defense is pretty solid. What are they holding? Let's see, defense uh, holding to 134 yards on the ground, which isn't bad. I, I think Oklahoma State would kill for 134 on the ground right now, anyway. Um, holding opponents to 23 points per game, almost 24. So they're one spot higher than Oklahoma State. OSU's holding to 24.8. Or no, that yeah 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 yeah. Um, more turnover. The turnover margin is almost twenty points better than Oklahoma State. Or it is. It's thirty. Thirty points better than Oklahoma State. Um, spots, not points. They're twenty fifth in the country with zero point eight in turnover margin. Um, so I mean, it's it's going to be it's going to be a tough game. You know, TCU is is really explosive, but that goes back to. I don't think these teams have truly been tested just yet. And I mean the whole all of the Big 12 hasn't truly been tested just yet. This is going to be a big test for Oklahoma State this weekend. Texas is going to be a big test for Oklahoma State next weekend because that'll probably be the best quarterback they'll have faced. Quinn Ewers, I was skeptical I with put, how... I, I was, put Duggan over I was skeptical Ewers. for how good Ewers was, but he's proven that he's going to be pretty damn good. Yeah, no, he's he's proven that he the the now, moment's not too big for him. Now Duggan's I, more athletic. I'll def, I'll absolutely yeah. give well, that. Well, and and Duggan is still hitting seventy three percent. Oh, no question. You know, no question. so the, he gives you the um, he gives you that dual. I mean, obviously he's a dual threat, right? And that's where we. It, it's interesting that fans got OSU fans got a dose of our own medicine this last week in two ways. Uh, the absolute turbo. That we oh were watching, we were watching our defensive linemen, defensive guys look into the sideline, going, "My goodness!" And then the ball was snapped before they. Yeah, could the get ball set. snapped, and so we got that. And Tech is the first team that I can remember that was doing the slow leaving the field and giving giving our offense issues. Let me let me just say, Joey McGuire may have out Mike Gundied. Mike Gundy, no chance. With with no chance. with with defense leaving the field slow. No, that I, was I've insane. Seen, yeah, but so how many times Mike Gundy is the absolute sultan of that? No question. I mean, in, in, I have never seen another team do it like he does. And how many times have we given uh, other teams delay of games? Yeah, we had the one that was we didn't leave the sideline fast enough. You had the caller who. Called into the radio show, the college um, ref. Yeah, the college ref. That was beautiful. I'm pretty sure I know who who that is. The uh, the people who sit behind us, their daughter married. I'm pretty sure that guy's son, and so that guy's son is a ref in the SEC. It's a it's a family business. Mm. And, yeah, he uh, was. What do you say? Um, you've got forty, I think forty seconds 
on a free kick yeah. as soon as the ball is uh And so he like he said down. if you go back Oklahoma State's offense didn't get onto the field. They left the sideline like at 15. Yeah, it was like 18 15, 15 seconds something like that. And yeah. so they're ready to go and then that's when Texas Well, takes it. so yes and cuz you have you have to have ample time to at, match up. They left at 15 but they weren't set up right. until 11. Right. And so take you know the defense is supposed to if the defense left at the exact same time which they didn't uh and Credit to another coaching staff for knowing the rules. Uh, that's how we... There know. were two moments in that game that I genuinely believe will be... Because Oklahoma State has always been trendsetters when it comes to rule, Like Tylen right. Wallace, the crackback block, stuff like that. I truly believe that two plays in that game... College football playoff. ...will be discussed uh, at Big 12 Media Days with the uh, director of officials. You have the special teams, um, fair catch on the onside kick, with uh, Demarco Jones, that'll yeah, be it was that'll like fair be, catching a pooch kick. Yeah, that'll be discussed because it was it was. was so he said that uh, not a free kick because it's a like an actual change of possession. But on that, what he he said like if the ball doesn't touch touch the ground, mm-hmm. you have to and they call a fair catch. You have to give them a chance to mm-hmm. to. So that'll be so discussed. The the, I think what Tech wanted to do there was kick it further to where it lands. You've seen them land it on the ground, and then it's mm-hmm. just a scrum for it. Mm-hmm. The, the guy didn't kick it very far. Right. And so uh, either that or he was trying to – he was just trying to pooch it short there. I think that's what it was. run under it. Because yeah. he, he kicked it directly – and it was I think it was that's far true. enough because yeah. he kicked it directly to the defender, the his his gunner. Mm-hmm. Um, now that'll be discussed because it's in the rules. And I'll, I, I'll be curious to see – if they decide to change that rule. Because you know that college coaches across the country are showing that play to their team this week. Mm-hmm. That was such an incredible heads-up play because it happened so fast yeah. um, that no one knew what the hell was going on. You know, I mean, there's obviously people there that knew, like, oh, wow, that was incredibly heads-up. And you can't yell that that fast no. from, the, from the sideline. So that is because that, it happened that's a testament the, to Absolutely. Because it happened in the course the of, like, the kick, the kick and the recovery – was like two seconds. Oh yeah, and and he saw as soon as he as soon as he saw that kicker line up sideways and take just two or three steps rather than all the way back, he looked to the sideline and then looked back and threw up the fair catch like mid air. It was insane. Um, so that'll be discussed by the Big Twelve, and I'll be curious to see if they make that rule stand because at that point, anyone is like, you know what, I don't want to deal with fair catch. You know, whatever. What would you change it to? Like what? what I don't know. That's but, what I mean. So like, what would be the well they. They should allow the kicking team. I don't know because yards. I, I mean, maybe because I don't. I don't understand it because any onside kick at that point, but it, it depends on the onside because it's through the air on the ground. Yeah. But that's that's what I don't like because then at that point, well, just don't onside it through the air. Just kick it on the. I don't know. Right. It's such a strange. Yeah. I could see him trying to tweak it, but I don't. I don't know. It's it's insane. Um, and then the running onto the field now. It's when you look when you know what was going on. It's okay. This makes sense. But there was so much confusion in the moment. You know, the coaching staff didn't know what the hell was going on. No one in the booth knew what was going on. You know, and I think it was a situation where there were so many reviews. And that's not that's not them. That's not the the crew on the field calling for reviews. There's someone in the booth yeah. and that's in contact with Dallas. So it was. But there were so many weird 
reviews that it's just like why what are you doing and right. then they were they were letting the defenders uh, letting DBs and receivers play they weren't calling hold I mean I didn't think it was a very good officiating crew yeah but I think that's where the frustration came in it was at the point of the game where you're just like you've let so much stuff go but it was at the end of the first quarter I think which was really early um but they had let so much go on that you're just kind of fed up at that point and it's just like what are y'all doing why would you that's not a delay a game but it, it's not that they would change the rule, but they'll discuss those two rules at Big 12. I guarantee that they'll touch, discuss those two rules at Big 12 Media Days. That has are, to be your favorite breakout session. I don't. A, well, the good thing is it happens before the commissioner even talks. Oh, okay. So. Um, now, Hunziker does like going to that, right? Hunziker, every year, will take the um, the officiating test. And yeah. he, he does better than most officials. That's what I've heard. Um, but they, I think it's. I think it's the first day. It's either the first or the second day, but it happens like the commissioner. Let's just say he's scheduled to re- to be on stage at nine thirty. The director of officials is like eight or eight thirty because then it yeah, and it usually goes like an hour, an hour and a half. It is long. I don't go to that. <laughs> I'm not even how there. Do you, how do you think you would do if you took the test? I'll right. even get yeah. I'll, I'll even I'll even give you like right now two days I would to fail. study. Oh, then I would do okay. You think? I would do okay. There's All right. Probably, yeah. There's a difference between okay. I would do well and I would do okay. Okay. Um, I'm not a, but here's the thing. I'm not a great test taker. I've always been horrible. Really? Uh, yeah. I could study for, you could give me like one full straight week with no, but my, I think I have undiagnosed ADD or ADHD. One of the two. I don't know what it is yeah. um, because I'll be writing Especially, like, it's terrible. I'll go through spurts where I'll be in my office and I'll be I'll have to write something. It's not urgent, but it's something that I need to get up by the end of the day. And I'll start working. Oh, I gotta get the dishes done. Oh, I gotta <laughs> do some laundry, you know. Um, so, but if you gave me a full week and I didn't get distracted, I would still probably struggle on the test. But I would I would know it. You could you could pop quiz me and I'd be like, oh, that probably did. But I, don't, I would do okay. I would still probably fail, but I think most people would do okay and fail. Well, here's here's a pop quiz for something that we uh, you have not studied and we mm-hmm. haven't talked about. How many times in college football history before this upcoming weekend mm-hmm. have three games had five and zero versus five and zero? Seven, once. Yeah, you know we, I knew we are in. I knew it would be this weird. upcoming weekend is number two ever. That's just for Oklahoma State or in nope. co- all college football. College football oh. history. That seems fake. Now we're at. I mean, you're at five and zero. This isn't like two and zero versus two and zero. Yeah, I'm and five I'm, and zero versus five. And, and I'm not saying that you're wrong or that that stat is wrong. But if you just if you just hear that, yeah, five and zero five. Because you think about all the good football teams. Hell, just even in the Big Twelve mm-hmm. or the SEC. Like you think about all the good football teams. That that doesn't that it it would be more than just that it's happened once before. This is only the second time in history. That seems like a fake stat. I don't give fake stats, Zach. Oh, I know. I just it <laughs> seems fake. It no, just, that was sent to me, that was sent to me by my friend Hunter. So Hunter, you're wrong. Hunter is either really he, right or really it? wrong. Did he just send you the stat or was it a screen grab? I'm trying to find it. A screen grab. Okay, from where? Don't try to find it. Figure it out. I will. Ryan. Yeah, I'll get back to it. I'm just kidding. Yeah, no. So Hold on, I'm scrolling through your mom jokes. Oh, I thought you. Were <laughs> I didn't expect that. I thought you were going to blow from it from him. But you're gonna say I'm scrolling through your mom's messages. Uh, <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't do that to you. 
So I'm getting I get to go to the game this week, and we talked about this last this last time. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you expect? I'm so, expecting. So okay, we'll, so, so 40, we'll go Oklahoma State offense. What do you, What do you expect? Yeah. OSU's offense to do. I expect our offense to. Let's see. You're going to be doing the over under, so we're going to do a quick one. Uh, you said 134 on the ground seat. Here you go. The Baylor. You can look at these numbers. They're good. I will. The the Baylor we went way over on rushing. Uh huh. Way over. I last week I'd have to go through. I'm going to go through my numbers tomorrow from last week. Um. Yeah, but I up, see. But up until last week, I think I was I guessed pretty solid, and I think I missed. I think I might have missed like three from my oh. over unders for this past week. So they I have struggled. had their, their defense has had one interception a game. Mm-hmm. I don't think Spencer throws one. I think Spencer has a. I think Spencer has a good game, um, and I think what he does is he mixes the running, the running really well this week. Um, I think TCU can be. They can be runned on, ran on, runned on. <laughs> they can be ran on. Uh, 134 versus those five, that doesn't really jump out at me. I mean, like their offense, they're, they're averaging 6.6 a rush. Again, that tells me the teams that they're playing don't have defenses. Yeah. I think that, you know, and the other teams that are running against them are 3.7. We're going to be above that. Because what is, what is OSU? Is it, I think they're holding to 111. Is that what OSU's holding? What do you mean holding? Right here, holding offense. Or holding. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Is yes, that yes. what that is? 118. Okay. 118, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, so we're keeping guys at 118. We're rushing as a team right now 4.1. Not great versus who we've played, but I think that as the Baylor game showed you, when we need to, I think we can. And yeah. I, th- I think there's wrinkles that we haven't, that we still haven't shown. Because if I had to, if I had to pick holding, because T- TCU is running the ball really well. I, if I if I if I had an over under for TC for the OSU defense holding TCU on running because what is it like two thirty I think is what TCU's average in a game on the ground something mm-hmm. like that I, and with what OSU's doing one eighteen I would probably go over under it'd probably be one fifty because one fifty probably uh, because I don't want to just say that OSU's run defense is just the absolute best you've ever seen and said it at like, okay, well, they'll hold TCU to 110. Could I, you see Dom getting 90 yeah. and Spencer getting 60? Yeah, absolutely. Then and, and, that, and that, well, no, it, mine, mine was holding TCU. Oh, okay. But in the same vein, I could still see, I could still see Dom running for 90. It's possible he could do 90. I, I think he will need to have a pretty big game because I don't think Baylor's I don't think Baylor's defensive or Baylor I don't think TCU's defensive line was as is as good as Baylor's. Agree. And he had what fifty something, fifty or sixty something yards against Baylor running. I think it was like fifty four okay. running right into the heart of that Baylor defensive line. I could see Dom going like seventy eighty, and I could see Spencer going fifty sixty. This offense needs a long run from Dom. Agreed. We, Nineteen is the longest he has had yet this year. I could see him doing. He needs a thirty, forty. I could see something like that because he says he doesn't hold a grudge anymore, and but that's that's just normal. I'm going to give you the Tom Dorado. You know none of that matters, right? Of course it doesn't. (laughs) Um, I would. That's normal growth for a human. After as time passes, you're not. You know, yeah, okay, whatever. What happened? It happened. 
uh, I'm happy here. You know, I'm I'm having some success here. The guy that they took over him already left him. Yeah, I, th- I don't even know if he's at the school that he went to after he's that. A, he's still at Ole Miss. He's still at Ole Miss. Okay. Well, I, Zach Evans. Was it Ole? Well, he went to Ole Miss after TCU. Yeah, he had two touchdowns this last weekend. Okay. Um, oh, I was thinking before because he was like at LSU or Georgia and then left and went to TCU. Okay, so yeah. Uh, so technically three schools. I don't think he showed up at the other one, but anyway. Yeah. But he, when he I, did set the record for the most commitments. Yeah, Zach Evans. I would imagine. But when I think when Dom gets there, I think when Dom lines it up, there's going to be something. You know, it may not be like last year where he this is his first time to truly play against TCU. He can go because he, he had an incredible game last year. You know, he's bowling defenders over. He's rushing for over 100 yards. But that was a bad TCU team. That was not a good TCU. Now, but I'm not saying that that's the only reason. But I think once Dom, I think once he straps it up, once he gets out there, I think I think something's going to come through. I think, you know what, they did screw me. They did me wrong. But I'll also be curious to see how the coaching staff plays into it because that coaching staff's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, there may be some guys yeah, that are still there. Yeah, you're going against the colors and the, and yeah. the, and the threes. So, and that's something he said. He's like, when I see when I see the color purple, I do want to play harder. So I'll be curious. I, I, I could see him going for 60 or 70 yards, but I don't think I'd be shocked if he put up over 100. But I really don't. To his point, he's not anymore at a point where he's trying to prove anything. He's the starting running back of Oklahoma State University. He has to, yeah, he, but I think he that's has by, to show it versus TCU. He's got to show it versus. I think that's by default, though. Well, that's fine because he's still I still the starting running back. No, no, no. But I, I, I don't. I, what I'm, I, I think he still has to prove because he hasn't. He's. I think the Baylor game was one of his best. I, well, I think I said it was his best performance, not in terms of statistics, but that was the, the hardest we've seen him run. He picked up a lot of extra yards against a really good Baylor uh, defensive line. But I, I think he still has to prove it because he hasn't. His numbers aren't great. His numbers are okay. He's had a couple of decent performances, but he's right. not he's not doing what he should. And I think he's still kind of figuring it out a little bit. Well, but. And his receiving yards has are what are getting his per game average to about ninety seven, correct? Ninety eight, you know, total offense. Kudos to him though Absolutely. for catching the ball out of the backfield. That's huge. Well, before the season, uh, that was his um, his kind of player comparison that that I saw was Joseph Randall. And that was Randall's thing. He was he was he was Randall was a better runner. Uh, Randall was shiftier, but his game was both running and catching. Yeah, and Ollie has been great catching the ball this year. I think when you look at some of these younger guys, and we are all over the place on this. So if, so if you're listening, like just understand, we know. Appreciate um, you for listening. When you look at some of these younger players that are starting to click, this is a really good look into the future. Because if you go back to the 21 class and you go back to the 2020 class, there's a it was like, man, these are two of the best classes that Mike Gundy's put together. When will they start to, you know, are they, is it going to be immediate? But you look at uh you look at Cam Smith, played a lot on Saturday. Uh he's going to be good. When you look at um at one point Hunziker and Holcomb had to get the roster out yeah. to figure out who was going out there. Yeah. They were asking Robert Allen on the sideline Who's hell? Who can go out there and and it was taking Robert to think of Dekelvian Beeman. He was thinking, I think of her name, third or fourth string at at, at sometimes at certain positions. Uh, we had our sixth string corner in there at one point. Yeah. So and Robert was having to figure out. He was having to ask a coach, probably Duffy Hammerschmidt, who is re- who's on the go team, who's ready. Yeah. And 
they were they, he uh i think he reported they kind of looked at him with eyebrows raised <laughs> you know like we don't know either um when you look at DeKelvion Beeman DeKelvion's going to be really really good technically he should be a true freshman this year graduated early a year, uh, graduated high school a year early showed up on campus as a senior in high school um but he's Marshall Evanson is really high on him and i i trust Marshall's recruiting skills almost more than anybody um anybody else so Kelvion's going to be really good. Cam Smith's going to be really good. Um, Cam Epps is going to be really good. But then you look at the offensive side. Ollie Gordon, still he's still figuring out how to play at this level. Still figuring out the speed of the game. Still figuring out the physicality of the game. Still trying to put it all together. But there are moments, however brief they are, where you're like, oh, man. <laughs> Once it clicks for Ollie, this kid's going to be unstoppable. Same with Stephon Johnson. I think Stephon Johnson surprised a lot of people. We knew that he was a, a very highly touted prospect, uh, one of the more highly sought-after receivers in that class. Went to or- It was committed to Oregon for a long time. Decommits, kind of you know lays low, doesn't do anything, commits to Oklahoma State, and we're seeing how good he can be. So when you look at, and obviously John Paul Richardson is going to be spectacular, when you look at some of these younger guys, what what blows and I'm not telling fan I'm not telling fans what they should or shouldn't think but it is it is crazy to me that when you look at the 2020 class you look at the 2021 class and then you compare it to the 22 class and it's like well this they can't recruit what the hell is this staff doing there's some really really good prospects in the 2022 class but you have to realize that the focus, or not the 22, the 23, excuse me. When you look at the 21 recruiting class and the 22 recruiting class, they are really, really good. This 23 class has some really solid prospects in it. Well, hell, the 2020 class was pretty good too. Let me, uh, Maybe not statistically, but there's some pretty damn good football players on this team. The focus, while it, the 23 class is important, Zane Flores is going to be really good. If he sticks around, which I don't know, Jelani McDonald is going to be really good. There's some really, really good prospects. And I don't want to say they're not focusing on that, but the, the focus is going to be the 24 class. There's some really, really good prospects in the 24 class, and the 24 class has a chance to be really big. So don't look at recruiting. Like what kind of number big? I don't know. But when you look at the guys that could be leaving this year, there could be a lot of spots open. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think... There's going to be a, enough spots in the 23 class, but I don't know if it's going to be a full 25. I, I don't know if they know because it fluctuates. I don't know. But when you when you look at the guys that are going to leave after next year, it could be a big number. So it's to, I don't know. It's to weird. that point, look at how many guys we brought. Let's just look at the offensive line. Sure. The guys that we brought in, Tyrone Weber, we heard so much about him, how all-American Juco guy uh, you get – you get Jason Brooks. Was he the he was Vanderbilt. The, Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. So he's played power five. Yeah. These guys don't make the starting lineup. Yeah. You know, they they come in to a lineup that uh lost your center, lost your uh left guard. Left guard, yeah. And you've had to and left tackle. Who was the left tackle last year? It was uh Cole Birmingham, wasn't it? Birmingham th- the he was he, like he got injured. And, he was like left and right. Left and, and right. Yeah, it was weird. So but he's at, out this year, yeah. Point being, Etienne was not the was not the left tackle, and you you basically have a tryout for all five positions yeah. and the guys who have been in the system. Well, except for right guard, 
I'll yeah. give him that. That's uh, yeah. well, and Preston Hunter, Wilson, Hunter, was, Hunter Woodard. Preston Wilson was going to be the center, um, but Springfield has held off Brooks, and I get that they both play. Uh, Materico has held off Weber. Etienne, you know, is is starting there at left tackle. Here, I took this for you on uh, Tuesday. I was going to send it to you so you could send it on to Jay. Oh, he's just looking gorgeous. That's, <laughs> That's a great a, picture of, yeah. of uh, Jake Springfield doing doing his media availability. Just send him that so it can <laughs> yeah. be his phone background. But you know what's funny, man? That's what – and quick description of the picture. We've got a sweaty mullet. Sweaty mullet. Of, sweaty uh, mullet is yeah. what we – sweaty receding hairline mullet is what I want an offensive lineman to be. One, and I gotta that give tells him, me he's older. And i got to give him a lot of credit. He, he has, has played really hard. figured it out. Yes, he has. And, and I know, like, Caleb Etienne didn't grade out well against Texas Tech, but Caleb Etienne is this, – this offensive line as a whole has has played pretty well. I mean, when you look at Preston Wilson goes out and apparently is fine, but, you know, Joe McCoskey comes in and, and does well enough, you know. I, I, I am very pleasantly surprised with the offensive line this year. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, and I'm just looking at looking over the depth chart here. We were just talking about Stephon Johnson, and it's funny he doesn't even show up. In no, the, he's not in on the, the depth chart. In the, like 14 wide receivers that are on here. Well, all you have and to yeah, do is there's several positions. Yeah. With if you look at the participation sheet, yeah. um, from Saturday, there are there is a significant number of guys that had to play on Saturday that are not on the, that probably wouldn't be in the. They put out the two deep and receiver. There's some positions you get an and or, which I guess is technically a three deep. But OSU puts out a two deep. There are guys that played on Saturday that might not crack the three deep officially, but are going to be really good. Because you look at, when you look at some of the defenders that played on Saturday, they're in the same position as, I know he's not here anymore, but as a, as a Tanner McAllister was in three or four years ago. Same with uh, Jark Bernard Converse. You know, when you look at when you look at um, Colby Harvell Peel, how much he had to play throughout his career. Kendall Daniels, Kendall Daniels is, has a chance to be one of the best defenders in the country. Now, he's not going to play the first half of TCU, but and so, by and by definition, it was targeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it wasn't old targeting because it wasn't helmet to helmet, and but he, they he they tweaked it. He didn't launch. Correct. He it wasn't. Um, you know, there was nothing you, malicious. You, yes, there you go. Whenever you look at, did a guy intend yeah. to hurt the other person? No, no. Now that's the youth leading with the the crown of your helmet. Yep. But the and he may have gotten that called even if he was looking at him because he went. That would have been then face mask to face mask. They could have. Yeah, and he that, went high. Yeah, and that was Kendall's going to be. And that's the thing when you look at the youth across the board for some of those guys. They they've got a ways to go, but when you look at talent, I I think the defense is going to be fine. And Kendall has shown uh, one of the things that I specifically watched because, like I said in the last one, I was at that wedding. So I, when you're walking into a wedding, like walking in with my beautiful bride, mm, of course, looking very nice. But the OSU game is thirty four thirty one with about six minutes left. You're a little puckered. You're your focus is a little <laughs> off. I'm going in there trying. I'm going in there trying to, you know, socialize with family, socialize with friends, and and uh, but also going. Anybody have the score? Anybody have the score? You know, you didn't. Because you, you don't want to be the guy that's just constantly checking your phone. You, you know, didn't and all Tim that. Taylor home improvement it. You didn't run a cord up your back and <laughs> into your ears. So no, you can I, listen I, to I Dave. Did, I didn't do the. 
I didn't do the uh, the AirPod in. I'm proud of you. Uh, thank you. It was good because I I wasn't on stage, so I got mixed up last weekend. I have another wedding for Texas that I am the best man in that one. It seven o'clock, two thirty kick. They're killing me. You got the wrong friends. Killing me. This one was my uncle, and, you got the uh, wrong family. and now this was kind of fun. It was <laughs> it was on SMU's practice. Facility. They're they're Sherman Smith. It yeah. was indoors right there. Yeah. So that was kind of fun. We that is the, neat. We got to throw the football around a little bit. Yeah, that's neat. But um so going back and watching, one of the things I was specifically watching was Kendall Daniels. Yeah. The way he rushes the quarterback is like our linebacker. It's like he sits in in the room with Colin Oliver and Trace Ford. There were a couple of times he was the furthest okay. That play that uh that they're running back, it was near Gallagher Iba. We caught him for like a five-yard loss, and he broke like four tackles in that five-yard loss. Kendall Daniels was the first one. He he over-pursued because he was too fast getting he's, back there. He's if done it that a few been, times. If it would have been a pass, he would have been blowing up the quarterback probably for a safety. Yeah, he's done that a few times. When you And that's when you look at the defense, um, they'll obviously lose quite a bit off the de, off the defensive line. Brock Martin, Brendan, and this is at the end of the season, not this week. At the end of the season, you look at Brock Martin, Brendan Evers, Sione Asi. I think Tyler Lacey. I think he still has eligibility, but I think Tyler Lacey's going to the NFL. Um, I could see that. Trace Ford should come back just to give him more tape. But if he continues at this pace, there there's going to be an NFL team that's interested in him. So that's that's going to be interesting to see how those discussions with Trace, the NFL, Rob Glasgow at the end of the year. And Trace is going to be – Because he's eligible. Trace to go. is going to be an amazing draft combine. I mean, he's going to put up oh, great numbers. Oh, my gosh. Great numbers. But should he come back, he'll be, he'll be lights out. And then they'll lose – they're set to lose Jason Taylor off the back end. But other than that, so I mean, if, they're not they, – they'll – the defensive line is going to take a big hit, but they're not going to lose linebackers. They're not going to lose corners. They'll lose one safety, and they do return quite a bit on the defensive line. But other than that, the defense is pretty much going to be the same. Well, Just another I think year that older. you you also take into account Trace's knee issues, and if he's healthy at the end of the year, and someone's willing to pay him, so that's pieces. what I'm saying. That's what Peace I'm saying. Out. See ya. Like, yeah, because it was red, redshirt junior, I think. So he's he's eligible, and he's. He's proven very, very quickly. That the, and I think what's important is we talked to him, um, and he kind of knew, you know. I, it, it happened so early on, the, the second knee injury, that he has had enough time to come. And so there's not been any hesitation. But the fact that he's, he's so explosive and swatting down passes and he's stronger, he's bigger, he's faster, I personally would lo- and I know the coaches are the same way, I would love to see Trace come back. I would not blame him one bit if he was just like, "Hey, I'm getting drafted." Now, I don't if it's like sixth or seventh round, I could see him coming back because he'll improve upon it. But if he hears what he wants to hear in January, he's gone. Yeah. Last thing for mm-hmm. me on the on, on this last game and kind of going forward, um, which is the point of this. That is the um, point. the second half adjustments on defense. Stellar. We're outstanding. Well, if you look at now, the, if you, I don't know if you listen to the show, just look uh, at quarter to quarter adjustments. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was like two hundred some odd yards they gave up in the first quarter. And they only gave up just over a hundred in the second quarter, and then the third quarter was less than a hundred. Then the fourth quarter I think was one twenty or one thirty, but they gave up no points. Yeah. So I mean, the quarter to quarter adjustments are spectacular. At a certain point, when you have a freshman quarterback and you have. 
you're throwing the ball 60 times, you're, you don't have 60 different route trees. At a certain point, you're re, starting to figure it out. You're starting to throw the same. And that's where Mason got that interception. He said he had seen that in film. And I'm going to bet they had run that at some point earlier in the game. And he went, doggone it. That was what they, I saw. That's what I saw. And they did it again, and he jumped it. It was beautiful. Yeah, it was good. Um, so, I, you know, I think that there's there's a version of that. Gundy said that whenever they came, when Tech came out of, well, both teams come out of <laughs> halftime, Tech has the ball. Uh, they did an adjustment on the adjustment, you know, right? And and so I think that's where I, when when Tech went back and watched the Baylor game, they saw what OSU came out of halftime and did. Probably saw, okay, on these things, they adjusted this way. Mm-hmm. You can counter there. But then, as Gundy said, at a certain point, you have to go back to what you're good at. You can't just stick in this la-la land. Yeah. You can do it for a drive. You can do it for a few plays. But at a certain point, you got to go back to what you what you do. And when they did that, OSU was ready for it. We put a lot more pressure on a uh, quarterback. I don't remember his name. Uh, uh, Baron, is it Barron? I think it's Barron Milton. Morton. 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 I was going to say Milton. I think it? it's Barron. Barron Morton. We put a lot more pressure on him in the second half. Hit him, hit him more. And when you're, uh, I'm going to assume, whether is he, he's redshirt, redshirt freshman. freshman. But I think that was his first start. You've had... You've had one offseason with your strength and conditioning guy. If Trace Ford and Colin Oliver hit me more than once, like I'm I'm good. Well and, and <laughs> you know, I'm getting the ball out faster. I'm, well, and he hadn't been hit in practice. He hasn't there hasn't been a situation where he's having now he he played he played very well. He did. He is gonna be an absolute menace to the Big Twelve for years to come. And but, we spent twenty minutes the last podcast talking about Dominic Smith. <laughs> I feel fairly certain that TCU. I don't even know if is, Donovan suited up. He did. He did. But, he got in the game. You get what I'm saying. But though. he, uh, I feel fairly certain that talking about Max Dugan this this week, it won't play. We'll be. Fu- <laughs> I'm be, fine with that. It'll be whoever be else. Fine. It'll be whoever. So else. I don't know if Max Duggan has any um, Dugan Duggan has Duggan. Duggan has any relation to Hacksaw Jim Duggan. But quick little story. Jim Duggan mm-hmm. played football at SMU. Yeah, he did. He was my dad's roommate one year. Wow, that's cool. And they were on the third floor. At one point, dad's in there studying. Dad's a very studious person. He's in there studying. Door flies open. Apparently, what Jim liked to do, Jim's thing in college was to run up behind campus security. You know those little poppets that you can throw down on the ground? The, dra- the dragon snaps? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He loved going up behind them and just throwing them down and then running off. And they'd chase him, and then he'd get his conditioning in, I guess. So he comes flying in. Apparently, he had done more than that, like set off actual firecrackers behind him. So he comes flying in the room, throws the door open, looking all around frantic. Dad's sitting there reading his reading his book, uh, his, his, his class book. Goes over the window, opens it, and jumps out. They're on the third floor. And so he just jumps out, and behind him, here comes Barney Fife, you know, with his gun drawn, you know, seventy, late 70s. Uh, gun drawn, looking for him. Dad just kind of points to the window. He said, they all, <laughs> they all go looking over there, and there goes Duggan, like, limping off with a sprained ankle, <laughs> you know, from going. But he ain't getting caught. He didn't, he didn't get caught. That's so, crazy. Anyways, if, if Max uh, has any kind of hacksaw Jim Duggan in him, then uh, he'll take more than one hit from, from our guys. But I think we're, we're going to have to hit him hard. To rattle him, to get him to think about, to get him out of that confidence that that clearly he's in. Um, I think you're going to have to. I'm not saying tee off in a uh, 
in, in a malicious way, but you're going to have to tee off on him whenever he keeps it. Well, let me look here. I've got the – we got to – we got to wrap this up, but I don't think Oklahoma State has had a lot of success in Fort Worth. Um, Twenty sixteen, I think that was the that was um, uh, Chris Carson. I think was that year twenty sixteen, yes. but that's the last time OSU's won in Fort Worth. It's uh, it was a thirty one thirty six. The last one was thirty one twenty four and eighteen, and then the twenty nine twenty two loss in twenty twenty. That was a bad game. Yeah, that was a bad game for OSU. Um, but then you go back to that TCU won in Fort Worth in 2014, and then 20 uh, 1992, uh, 1990, uh, they tied in 71, they tied in 49, <laughs> so they haven't played a lot in t- down in Fort Worth. Um, but Oklahoma State is they're due for a win, I think, and and it's going to be an interesting game if if Spencer has a, a solid performance and he's turnover pro- he's uh, turnover free, you know, and or even if he just gives it up once. You know, but you have kind of the, some of the same heads-up plays that they had against Texas Tech. If Oklahoma State's defensive line can uh, apply enough pressure, now my my big question, and we'll we'll get our answer on Saturday, is how the how the secondary handles some of the speed and physicality from the receivers on the outside. So, looked a little lost early in the game, but really shored things up as, as the game went along. And then obviously, if they stay healthy, if you if you've got your first and second string out there for a majority of the game, I think things are going to go well. I would think Oklahoma State wins this game. I couldn't even begin to give you a score. Um, but Oklahoma, on paper, Oklahoma State's the better team. So I, I don't know I don't know what to expect, but I, I don't think – honestly don't think I'd be surprised one way or the other. I can give you a score. Yeah? I'm actually going to go low scoring this. Okay. Last week I went way high. This week I'm actually going to go 24-21. That is low. 24-21. I was, I was thinking 34-31. I know. 24-21. I think our defense – I think our defense holds, and uh, I'm also predicting TCU will be up at halftime. But we come back and win. So, like this weekend. A lot like this weekend. I can see it. It'll be interesting. That's going to do it for the Pokesport Podcast. We'll talk to you next time here on PokesReport.com.